Have you ever wondered how people mine crypto? Or maybe you're looking to get started in mining in your house, but you're unsure of the equipment you need? Mark Anderson is going to tell you everything you ever wanted to know about mining cryptocurrencies, including what to expect on your return on investment, as well as the energy costs to factor in. Let's just get right down to business. This, this is the Joe Robert Show. The Joe Robert Show. The Joe Robert Show. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate you coming on today. Let's get started by giving us some insights into your background. Uh, so I have a pretty diverse background. Uh, I've been uh, in the mortgage business for quite a while. Uh, I then transferred over into real estate uh, as we were talking off air, doing you know wholesaling, uh, retail, real estate, flipping, things like that. Uh, and now I've more recently gravitated with my podcast host uh, on Amigos PC uh, into crypto mining and crypto buying, I guess you could say. I don't really like to use the word investing when it comes to crypto because crypto isn't you know, like a formal stock or some type of uh, asset that really is like an investment to something because of how unstable crypto can be. Well, there's definitely a lot of people out there and those that are listening that invest in real estate. Uh, It's kind of proven to make the most, supposedly like the most millionaires or whatever they say in the data. And with the way, you know, house prices have been going up, I can see why a lot of people are flocking to real estate. What is it about the crypto industry that kind of, you know, really drew you in and away from the real estate? I think the first thing really was community. It's gotten a little crazier now with a lot of these altcoins uh, and, and the community that's being built around those. But essentially, when you, you have these the the grandfather uh, currencies, which would be like Bitcoin, Ethereum, things like that, they are building certain projects off of these blockchains, and they're becoming very attractive uh, to to realize that you know the future really does have hope. in in some of this uh, and what they're building. Uh, And some of these projects are really set to, to really help the future of of humanity, basically, uh, you know, grow us into the next stage of, of what we need to be uh, as a civilization. So you feel, you know, basically it allows you to maybe have a bigger impact on what's going to happen on everyone's future. I, yeah, I really believe that. Yes. Like, especially like uh, projects like Ethereum, uh, you know, Ether is is the coin that is driven the market, you know, and fluctuates in the price. But Ethereum is the actual blockchain. And there are so many different projects that are being built off of that blockchain that it, it, there's just a tremendous amount of value there. Uh, you can just pick a project and you can see like whether it be financial or or something for in the gaming industry or uh, even just something that could be. Uh, similar to XRP, which I'm not a huge fan of them, Ripple, but they're they're building a basically an Excel sheet, you know, some type of format to help the flow uh, of your business, you know, help you systemize things a little bit easier to get you up and running faster if you're startup. And why do you think maybe crypto is the future? <laughs> Essentially, it's really the technology base behind it. There are projects out there. One of them that comes to mind right now just recently launched. It's called Solve. And Solve, essentially what it does is it eliminates the need for an insurance company, uh, a health insurance company. I should really rephrase that. The reason it does that is it facilitates someone that needs the insurance, right? 
It also facilitates the doctor and what they need on their end, which would be like your medical records or just data in general of you. Uh, it, it facilitates that through a blockchain. Uh, so it keeps the privacy of the, the patient, uh, and, but it also helps the doctor facilitate and make sure that they have all the records needed to actually care for uh, the patient that's in question without having to get the insurance company involved. Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's definitely a lot of different areas that blockchain is trying to tackle. How do you kind of stay focused in one area or determine what the trend is? Uh, that That is actually a really good question. You really got to pick and choose your projects and, and what you have to dial in and figure out, okay, well, what do I want to focus in on? Because if you're looking for coins that can give you a specific return and you have a strategy on how to like trade those coins that you, you really need to stay in your lane and focus on that. But if you're someone that's like, um, let's say a hodler, you know, a Dogecoin famously known to be the hodler coin, you want to look for projects that provide value to you. So if you're looking at a project you need to start in, you know, uh, researching their white paper uh, and things like that to, to, to know what the project is. So you can actually just put in, so essentially provide liquidity for a startup and, and know that that's how you are, you're buying into that crypto. Got it. And, you know, for all those that are listening and, you know, maybe they're first time buyers or they're kind of, you know, trying to get their head wrapped around what direction to go. I mean, what is some other tips that people can use that, you know, when they maybe go to coin market cap and they see this list of thousands of them? <laughs> uh, well, you always want to look at like what the top hundred, there's always a list, right? You want to look at what, what seems stable and cryptocurrency stable really isn't uh, an actual existence of something, but it does stable out from time to time. Uh, if you're new, you want to stick to something that's very well known. So you can see, and, and essentially if you're, you are really green into crypto, uh, the default strategy should be, you know, buy low, sell high, buy low, sell high. But as you grow and learn different projects, maybe you can start to look at it. Coin Market Cap actually has an ICO portion of their website. So you can actually look at new projects and see what values to you. But at the end of the day, you need to do your own research and figuring out what's going to fit best for your buy bu bucket and then utilize your strategy and build it around that. Uh, it, it, it's, it, I don't mean to be vague like that, you know, but at the same time, like with cryptocurrency and in, in, even if you're doing it in the stock exchange, like you need to do your research. You can't just find a YouTuber on YouTube that says, you know what, go buy safe, go buy dope. Like, you just can't do that. You got to do your research and actually enjoy and like the project. So do you, is your opinion of uh, like, let's say someone just have a very conservative approach, maybe take a position on Bitcoin, Ethereum, and just kind of dollar cost average, a good way to go if they don't have that uh, time to do their research? Yeah, no, that is an excellent way to go. The dollar cost average is uh, is definitely something, okay, well, you know, I'm going to buy it at X point. And if I feel like the value's here, the, the one thing that I've experienced personally in buying crypto and, and kind of just being a part of the community is the projects that I've found, regardless of the price, whether it's $38,000 or $65,000, do I like the project? Do I, do I think that the project is going to be valued at more than where I'm buying it at, right? 
Uh, and that's that even goes for those people that have now probably bought Bitcoin at sixty eight thousand uh, th- dollars. This you know, screaming this out to them at this point, like if Bitcoin was worth it to you at sixty eight thousand dollars, it should still be worth it to you right now where it's sitting at thirty six thousand dollars, I think, or something like that right now. It, and if you're favoring it, it should still be a buy for you. And as it grows uh, back, because it will bounce back you should still be investing into it. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I like to say crypto is like a black hole, meaning your biggest problem is actually finding in more capital to be able to invest in great projects. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so dollar cost average and just figure out how you can generate more cash, invest in the best projects you think will be here in five or 10 years. And I'm pretty sure everyone will wake up, uh, you know, down the road and be okay. Yeah, exactly. Well. So what, uh, you know, lately there's been a lot of, uh, talk over the last six months of, you know, kind of DeFi and NFTs is your, do you have any position in either of those or what's your take or the DeFi? I love the fact of DeFi. Uh, DeFi is basically cryptocurrency in a nutshell that that's essentially what Bitcoin was uh, uh, centered around and built to be is, is some type of definance uh, chain. Uh, It's become more of a store of value now. And I, I don't really understand the reason as to why it really became a store value, but because of its price, that that's just the type of token, a coin it is uh, now. But DeFi, yes, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, the more DeFi that we can be, especially in the finance realm, uh, getting rid of the third party that's involved, which in this case would be, you know, the big bank, the Federal Reserve, you know, think, you know entities like that, uh, the better, I think. Uh, you know, does it... Eliminate some of the privacy, yes, uh, but is it secure overall? That most definitely better than a bank. So you think people at some point here trust contracts over banks? Ooh, that that is. <laughs> like, it, in the future, you know, probably past our time, yes, they definitely will. But I think that it's going to take some time still to get moving into yes trusting a contract like that but that's another thing where you need to do your research because there are a lot of contracts in crypto that can be kind of sketchy or really sketchy and and, you know rug pulls happen but they also happen in the stock market so it's not like it's anything new you just got to do your research and and trust what you're getting into especially when it comes to smart contracts what's your take on how far out do you think that we're going to have these products more usable to a good portion of the consumers. Oh, that is actually going to be a lot sooner than a lot of people think. Uh, I think within the next couple of years that especially you get projects like uh, safe moon. I know, I know there's a lot of hype around that coin right now or token, I should say uh, and in what they're doing, but the project itself is, the idea of the project and the team behind it have good value. Uh, there are some things that they really need to fix, but if there are projects like that, that come mainstream, this is a whole new game. And, and they're moving at a pace that not a lot of cryptocurrencies have moved at. So I could see that, you know, cryptocurrency is already kind of becoming mainstream. It's going to get to that next level here soon. Interesting. And have you done any investment uh, into the NFT side? Uh, I have not yet, personally. I, I have a couple NFTs that I have acquired, but uh, it was not through like a purchase or anything like that. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of it. I, I know it is. It, it's like basically art collecting, right? Uh, you're getting this digital item. 
it, you know, they're trying to limit it to, you know, either one or, or a small quantity. So they're like doing prints of, of an item uh, or a piece of art. That's what art's for. And, and I get it with NFTs like that. They're trying to, you know, make this creative item, but essentially what it's become or what it's becoming, in my opinion, is, is we're, we're essentially paying for memes. Like it, it, it's just not, I don't like it. the intention was great. And the, the idea behind it was amazing to get, you know, essentially artists paid in a digital format, but it, it has become, uh, in my opinion, like I said, it, you're, you're buying memes. Why? <laughs> hey, that's good. We need everyone to have their own, uh, you know, position. So do you yeah. think it becomes more of a, a hybrid, like where maybe every digital item sold also maybe has some physical item and that kind of allows you know, a better sale to occur? You know, I think that that would provide more value for sure. Uh, even if it is you're, you know, repackaging a meme or something along those lines, if, if they can make a physical item of that, then I can hang it. And there can only be like the copyright or the trademark that is written around it. It basically says like a physical copy of this can be only made once or a hundred times or, you know, they put some type of limit to it. I think that that would provide more value. Uh, and the idea behind it for at least me uh, would be more tangible. Got it. So on the DeFi side and kind of what where the market is trending now, since everything's kind of cooled off, a little cooled off right now, a little bit of sell off the last month or so, you know, what's your take on what's where, where are we going this year and what's happening? I still think that we're in a bull market. I know things are really cool right now. Uh, and it almost kind of seems like we're heading into a, a bear market. Uh, but I think that the end of the year is going to be very good for crypto. I think that as long as Bitcoin can stay above the 30K mark, we are going to see some huge upsides. And as those upsides come, we'll see some dips. But what will happen with those dips is that the altcoins will then rise. And, and it'll kind of just be a fluctuation between the two. Uh, through the end of the year. And do you think uh, we, we may see more of a lengthening cycle into next year? Or what's your take on whether we're actually going to, well, cycles maybe get change here as more adoption occurs? I think, well, so there's a couple pieces to that puzzle and trying to answer that question that really need to, to be answered to, to give us a solid answer to it. One scenario is if Ethereum can pull off proof of stake by the end of the year that they're hoping for Ethereum never hits any of their, their projected dates. So uh, it, it happening is very, uh, un, I don't think it's realistic, but if it does happen, I, I could see a bear market coming into next year, essentially. Uh, but I can also see at that point, Ethereum skyrocketing. So uh, Ethereum's, you know, just under 3000 right now, it, it hit a peak of 4,500 at one point. I can see it be almost 10,000 by the end of the year if they pull off what they're attempting to do with proof of stake. Now, if they don't, I, I kind of see the bull riding through into 2021 or 2022 and, and you know more profits to be had. How do people value these networks? <laughs> it's the one question last year as we, I still don't think is being answered and may not be able to be answered until we have more historical data and kind of see how things play out. But how do you look at a, you know, a token and kind of determine maybe what the upside is? 
I personally don't really like to put a number to it, if that makes sense, uh, especially if I'm, I'm diving into uh, altcoins that, that are not the godfather, grandfathered um, original starter coins. Uh, the reason being is, is that it, I need to look at the project and if I feel the project is worthwhile, I'm okay putting you know a few thousand or, or more into it uh, just to see, okay, well, this potentially could be something. And as long as I make a good return on what I put in, I'm okay with that. Now on, on the larger coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Doge could even now be in that realm of, uh, of coins, Litecoin being one of them. Uh, it's all based on market cap. So they, there is just so much money in those coins uh, at the time being. You're taking you know, whatever their market cap is, divide it by, you know, basically the world's economy of actual physical dollars, which, you know, is in the trillions. And you're trying to figure out, okay, well, what, what could that value be? You know, it, like a lot of people right now are saying, you know, Bitcoin to a hundred thousand, Bitcoin to 200,000. That's realistic because the, the market cap's not that high. Ethereum, on the other hand, it can't go that high. Like it can't go to a hundred thousand. I mean, I mean, it can. Do- I mean, look at Doge. No one thought <laughs> it would go anywhere, and it, it's going somewhere. But, you know, things can happen, but the realistic of of it actually happening is is another thing. Ethereum doesn't have a cap like Doge doesn't have a cap. So there, it's harder to, to see where the value is on it uh, per se with like market cap, you know, versus you know what the global economy is. But then you take the projects that are built off of it because some of those have limits. Most of them have limits. And you figure out, okay, well, what is their overall cap versus what's on the blockchain? And then you divide it by the world economy's uh, actual cap. That's interesting. What else do you see? Like, you know, how, how else can investors prepare their portfolio for the next couple of years? Any other tips that you might have? Uh, the only thing I can really say is that it, you just, you got to find the project that you like. I, I hate to keep defaulting to that, but that really is what it comes down to is, is find a project that you like. And if you feel the value is, is worth your while investing at that time, it's always going to be worthwhile investing regardless of the price. Uh, preparing your portfolio, I, I honestly, at this point, I would say it's a bull market regardless. So if you have liquidity, it's time. everything's on sale. If you don't have liquidity, it's time to devise a strategy as to how are you going to retain your gains. And do you have any profit-taking rules as the market goes up or how do you take profit? I handle coins a little differently. Anything that I've invested into, I'm in for the long run until, or, or like, you know, I'll set a time limit as to where I've, I think I need to be out. You could use SafeMoon, for example, because I actually did put liquidity in uh, for that. Uh, you can't mine it. So I expect to hold that for at least like a year and a half at minimum. So a year and a half from now, I'm going to reevaluate it and see, okay, well, where, where is my initial investment at? And from what I've experienced so far, like I'm well, well ahead of my initial investment, but it's because of the type of token it is. So it's growing, the price is fluctuating, but it's continually growing. So I can still see, you know, basically a yield that's projected uh, and and I'm okay with how it's kind of trending. When it comes to coins that like I mine per se, Ethereum being a good example, I take 
gains where they come. And then I also hold where I think I need to hold. So coins that I'm mining specifically, not really investing into, uh, well, it is an investment, just a different way. I have a, a ROI that I need to, to look at, right? So I need to take gains as I get them. And then in reverse of that, I want to hold a certain portion of it because I do feel like Ethereum itself could be worth you know, $10,000 by the end of the year. So- Got it. You mentioned mining a few times. I've seen Elon Musk talking about it across Twitter the last month. Supposedly he crashed the market. Uh, you know, what is mining and what is going on? What, what's all the conversation about? And kind of, you know, he, he mentioned something to, you know, energy. So yeah. Insights? Uh, mining basically is a proof of work algorithm. There are multiple proof of work alg- algorithms. Sorry out there that you can actually mine with like a GPU uh, or what they call an ASIC miner. Uh, an ASIC miner basically is just a computer built specifically to mine one particular algorithm. Use Bitcoin, for example. Uh, there are miners out there that that's all they do. And once Bitcoin goes away, they are completely useless. They can't be recoded something else. They have to be deconstructed and then reconstructed to something else. I'm actually really frustrated with the whole situation with Elon Musk, to be honest with you. Uh, Elon Musk, you know, him and his company, Tesla, put out a comment out there as to the they put FUD out there when it comes to uh, Bitcoin being mined through industrial type power. All cryptocurrency is mined on all different kinds of power. But if you really look at the stats, Bitcoin itself uh, is mined on a lot of renewable resources. In the past, China had a lot of the hash rate when it came to mining Bitcoin. And, And over the years, especially this past decade, that has kind of dwindled down a little bit. But the problem is, and where Elon made his point or you know made his comments about is some of the largest bitcoin mining farms are in china like the top three are but then also there are uh the top four under that are all united states based the ones that are in china they're all in like industrial areas so the only thing that they can utilize power wise is either some type of hydro which some do and that's you know sustainable. That's that's a renewable energy source uh, for the most part. Or uh, it has to be coal. Uh, and it's just China is the one that's regulating that when it comes to it. But then since the hash rate is kind of moving from one side of the globe to the other side of the globe, which is the United States for the most part, a lot of the big miners here that mine Bitcoin are already in initiatives before Elon Musk put out there that he's talking to, you know, United States based miners. There are they already had initiatives in place to where they're already converting their systems into, you know, renewable resources or they're already on renewable resources. So, like I said, what he did is very frustrating because it wasn't entirely true. So, yes, proof of work, it does consume a lot of power, but a lot of the bigger operations are making the efforts to do it in a clean way. I mean, also sometimes it's the benefit of doing it in a clean way is actually finding a more efficient or cost-effective yeah, way of absolutely. doing it, correct? Well, yeah, and that's the thing too, especially that that's the number one goal for most miners uh, when it comes to cryptocurrency is they're trying to get, uh, especially graphics, uh, graphic card miners, because it, Graphics cards, they become efficient, right? But they're not efficient at mining when they come straight from the box. You have to make that card efficient. So their whole drive when they build a rig is to figure out 
what's the most efficient way at the less amount of power, right? So they can get their, their return back quicker. ASIC miners are already efficient. They do it at the most efficient way that they possibly can. They're built to be efficient. Uh, it's just what where's their power coming from, essentially. So let's work through the process. If an investor wants to get set up and do some mining at home, okay. you know, what do they typically need to start with equipment-wise and what's that cost? Uh, you need a basic motherboard, preferably one that supports more than one graphics card. Uh, you'll need a CPU if the motherboard already doesn't come with one. A CPU fan, uh, you need you know anywhere from four to eight uh, gigs of RAM. And then at that point, you're going to need uh, some graphics cards. You can easily start with one. And then from there, you can kind of build off of it. Uh, I would recommend uh, someone look into an easy operatable uh, operating system. Uh, if you have a regular computer at home with a decent graphics card, when I say decent, I mean like six gigs or higher on your actual graphics card, uh, you can just use Windows-based system and get into mining within a few clicks. It really is that simple. Uh, but if you don't have a computer that you want to mine on, uh, then at that point you're building a rig and those pieces that I just specified earlier, uh, minus the actual PC, then you're at that point, you're going to need a few more pieces of the puzzle, risers, some extra cables, uh, thumb drive to put your operating system on, which you can Google operating systems. Me personally, I use Hive OS. Uh, and it's a very good Linux-based operating system that I can then remotely control all of my stuff. And what does that typical initial setup cost? <laughs> so that, that is uh, really, it depends on where you're pricing this stuff. But I, if you're just getting in and let's say you want to do a six GPU mining rig, uh, you, you should expect with the current bull market we're in, Anywhere from five thousand to thirty thousand dollars, depending on your cards. Okay, and what type of well in that mining rig? You know, how easy is that to source right now, and where do people usually find that? The GPUs are very difficult to source uh, currently. Uh, there's, you know, everybody's trying to get a, a GPU to mine cryptocurrency, and then you also have the gaming side of uh, GPU uh, demand, uh, and they're trying to get graphics cards. What a strategy that has worked for myself and my partner is secondhand. So essentially, we are scouring Facebook Marketplace, offer up places like that, and we are trying to find non-scalper price uh, deals on on GPUs. Uh, and it is very achievable, but you got to do the work. Essentially, you got to be on there day and night, trying to get your hands on, and then negotiating. Uh, a decent price to get, you know, the GPU uh, in your, in, and the additional benefit to that is that you're getting it from your area. You're not, you're not trying to ship it from, you know, somewhere else. Uh, and essentially, you know, you're meeting with someone, you could build a relationship with them, especially if they have a connect or maybe they have other GPUs that they're just, they're using at the time being, and, and eventually they'll get rid of. If they have a good experience with you, they might come to you first. If you tell them you're, you're shopping right now. So, which we've had that experience. We, we've met certain people. Oh yeah, I just upgraded, but I have another rig that I'm upgrading. I'm just waiting for the card uh, to come in because a lot of people are just waiting for cards to be mailed from manufacturers. Uh, and, you know, you just make that, hey, I'm still buying. So just let me know when you're ready to get rid of that other card. Uh, and, it, it, you know, they'll hit you up and you end up getting another card and you're building from there. Well, what type of experience 
experience does somebody need? Can they find like most of the stuff through YouTube or, you know, how would they set up and their own rigs? Uh, YouTube if, if they have no tech experience. <laughs> YouTube university can definitely get you in the right direction. And, and one thing that I can say, especially when you're trying, you're, you're brand new, completely green to mining. Don't hold back. Like, don't be afraid. Watch the videos, you know, just, just watch any videos that you can. Uh, if follow prominent miners, you know, Bitsby Trippin is a very, uh, has a very large community when it comes to mining. He's very knowledgeable and uh, gives some uh, excellent advice. Uh, and, and then from there, you know, watching people build these rigs, uh, you can, you can try it on your own and, and don't be afraid to just start plugging things together and seeing if it works. If it doesn't turn on, you can troubleshoot it, you know, once you build your first rig, you'll realize you'll come to like an enlightened uh, realization that this is just a machine. So if I can build a machine, it'll work. If that makes sense. No, I agree. Usually the uh, best way in life is to learn by doing, because that's the easiest way is fail, fail, fail forward. Right. Yes. So, I mean, that's why I say about DeFi, right. You got to get in kind of work with the different protocols, do some lending, do some borrowing to have an understanding of how it's going to work. Yeah. And, and if you definitely don't want to build a rig, find an ASIC miner because an ASIC miner is just plug and play. Got it. And so obviously the biggest thing here we got to talk about is profitability, right? That's really what yeah. one usually needs to care about in order to be sustainable. So we have an average cost to kind of get started in the five to 30 K. How does someone, you know, build a pro forma on what their profitability is going to look like? And, you know, when it comes to electricity, how important is that cost? Uh, you definitely want to try to find the lowest electricity rate that you can. And let's say you're an at-home miner and your home has solar power and you're doing a split either with the electric company or you are off the grid, right? Uh, essentially, that is the perfect ideal situation because then your power cost is nothing. Or if it is anything, it's, you know, pennies on the dollar. It's nothing, again, still nothing. Uh, or you're at a set flat rate or something along those lines. But yes, if you're if you're in New York, uh, and you're trying to get into crypto mining, it's going to be very difficult to try to get a ROI on an investment of a rig uh, just because the electricity is so costly. So you want to try to find areas to where the electric electricity is not that bad. Uh, a good ideal rate for electricity would be around the 10 cents figure. You can still be profitable 13, 14 cents per kilowatt uh, which you can find this information on on your actual uh, local uh, power company's websites. Uh, but essentially, you want to be ideally around $0.10, cents, uh, but you still can find ways of being profitable at $0.13, $0.14. Cents. Got it. So locating $0.10 cents or below electricity is a great thing. And then after that, how do we, you know, how do we determine how much profit we're going to make, right? Or <laughs> if we, if we buy, you know, spend five, 10, 30 K, what do we expect back? How long does it take? Right now? Uh, Cause 5,000 really is a scalper price for a rig, a GPU rig of like, let's say RX 580s. Uh, and these are just basic cards, you know, hash rates around 30. Uh, yeah. Hash rates around 30 mega hash per, per card. So essentially what you're going to be doing is you're going to be looking at that hash rate and there are multiple calculators online uh, to kind of figure out, well, what is that hash rate going to do? Uh, then you're going to take that, put in your power expense and it'll spit out a number to you of like, okay, well, I'm going to make, you know, 
uh, 0.25 Ethereum every time I mine, which it's essentially getting paid out maybe seven every seven days. So when you look at that, you figure out, okay, well, how much am I going to mine? Where does that mining uh, amount need to go to when I actually get paid out? Okay. Uh, Because that also could hinder your profitability because if you mine it to a wallet uh, and you have to move Ethereum around, moving Ethereum around is extremely expensive. Uh, But if you mine it to a central place that you know you don't really need to move it around, or if you are mining it to this, you can cash out immediately with little to no fees. Then you start to worry about the electric bill, right? After that, you've gotten paid out. You cut, you take your electric bill out of what your proceeds are. And at that point, you get your net profit. You want to ideally, like I was saying earlier, look at that, the profit itself at, you know, 10 cents, uh, because if you have a rig of, you know, six uh, RX 580s, you're probably sitting at around 200 mega hash in, in total. Uh, that should yield you, you know, uh, 0.1 Ethereum, uh, maybe every 10 days. And you got to figure out, okay, well, what is that 0.1 Ethereum costs in electricity? And then after that is my profit. Now, is that profit enough to push towards my return on investment? I like to be at a return on investment of less than six months. But because of the market that we're in right now, you got to be a little flexible on that because everything's just so expensive. So if you can return on investment, you know, eight to 12 months on your rig, you know, after you've done all those steps that I just went over, that would be an ideal situation. But again, you can't do any projections because the price changes every single day. So you just got to be, okay, what am I getting? Do I buy more graphics cards to get in or another miner to get in? Uh, or do I need to continue just to sit still and, and let my return on investment pay itself off before I profit? How does one determine a better route to go mining versus actually just buying that specific token and holding? There, yeah. So you're basically asking like, should, should I buy or should I mine, right? Should you put the investment that- up for miners or actually just buy the token directly and sit on it? Yeah. How does, you know, because it takes a while for your investment to come back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is a good question because it, essentially if you're looking at small altcoins, you know, safe, safe moons unminable anyways, but if it's something like that, it's wiser to just put a dollar amount to it. Uh, if it is something like Ethereum, you have to weigh the pros and cons like, well, you know, if Ethereum is $1,800 right now, it might be worthwhile actually just putting in funds, injecting funds into it and letting that grow. Uh, But at the same time, like if the algorithm is in favor of mining, like it currently is, especially with Ethereum, it's very profitable right now. Um, Not as profitable as it was a few months ago, but it still is very profitable. You got to look at, okay, well, if that profitability can put a return on my investment within 12 months, in my my situation, I prefer six. uh, Then at that point, I am looking to mine that coin. Uh, And the best the thing with mining is that it's not just, okay, well, once my return on investment in six months is there, it's you're, you're continually making profit after that. So it's not like, okay, well, you know, once my return on investment is done, this thing is not, it's worthless. It's not, it's continue to make funds. Uh, and you can also, you know, point it somewhere else 
at the end of the day, though, it's the price is going to the price of which token you're looking at is going to dictate do I buy or do I mine. Uh, and right now, Ethereum is at a price level where mining is the most favorable thing to do with it. But again, people don't want to mess with that. Now, also, I heard a lot sometimes having to replace these graphic cards frequently or, you know, can you kind of give us insights to how long these machines last? When do you have to replace them? Uh, that's a, that's a very good question. So, uh, GPU mining is very finicky. Uh, you have to constantly be keeping an eye on it. Uh, if you are someone with little to no patience, it's definitely going to be a hinder to you and it may not be worth your while with GPU mining. It's like if you were a craft beer brewer, right? This is your baby lifespan of a graphics card can be anywhere from, and this all really depends on what you do with it and how you're, you're tuning it to the algorithm to mine. Uh, it could be anywhere from, you know, a couple months to years. Uh, right now we have, we have cards, uh, that have been mining for a few years now, and they're just trucking along. Uh, their, their hash rate has reduced some, uh, as the algorithm moves on and, and gets aged, but, they're still doing an efficient job of, of what we need them to do. So uh, there are cards out there right now that were built, you know, five years ago, and they are still very profitable uh, to mine cryptocurrency on specifically Ethereum. So age wise, it all really depends on your maintenance to the rig. If you constantly keep it clean, you'll be able to keep the rig running for a long period of time. If you're constantly fiddling with the overtuning and overclocking it. Maybe you brick the card, which essentially you you just killed it. Uh, then uh, you, you, sometimes you can bring that back, uh, but other times the card's fried and you may have to actually do some maintenance on it. And so it just all depends on how you are as a miner. Again, don't be afraid to get into it, but what I would recommend is test one card at a time until you get to the comfort level where you can actually throw six on a rig and start it up right off the bat. No, I think that's interesting. We covered, I think everything in regards to mining, right? How to get set up, plug mm -hmm. and play, electricity costs. Most people could do this from their home. They maybe will do it from their laptop if they got the right graphics card. Yeah, there are actually, uh, there are a few YouTubers out there. Uh, one notable mention is a, a YouTuber called Brandon Coin, and he basically has uh, six laptops that he bought off of Newegg and they're all mining right now. And that's, he just bought them just to do that. It's not ideal because it's a laptop, but you know, we're in a tough market right now. So why not? <laughs> that's true. Do you think, uh, and, and part of that's also with the supply chain and COVID and kind of over the last year, right? I mean, we're in a bull market plus a supply chain, I think for most parts yeah, in shortage, right? Yes, definitely. It would, there is a huge graphics card shortage. And, and even if they're releasing daily, they can't keep up with the demand. All right. And I know when we first started, you mentioned, you know, kind of coming into the crypto sector based on a lot of its community and what's available out there, right? Yeah. So how are you connecting with the community and what are you doing yourself when it comes to podcasting? Uh, so connecting with the community, I, I'm very active when it comes to social media and, that, and that's where a lot of the cryptocurrency uh, community is via Twitter, Discord, even Instagram in some cases. But essentially, these coins that are being generated right now, uh, Dogecoin is a perfect example of, of a community-based coin that is providing value. Uh, and, and even now, with its current uptrend, it's providing utility. 
uh, where it didn't previously. And utility is key for Doge uh, for its future price. But uh, with the community, you know, Doge was built off a joke, right? But what happened was is that everybody found that hilarious and relatable and a community was built around it. And these, this, this community basically was there to help Doge and other crypto enthusiasts familiarize themselves with cryptocurrency. And if more tokens do this, like SafeMoon is a perfect example as well, because they, they are doing this right now. They, they're building a community to help people get into cryptocurrency. So if you're new, they're trying to teach you basically how to via like their social feeds on how do you acquire SafeMoon and things like that. Uh, so when you see projects that do that, or even the community itself do that, you kind of want to look a little deeper and figure out, okay, well, what's going on with this? And, that, and that's what drove me into cryptocurrency initially. Uh, I've been a huge uh, Doge fan since way before Penny. And it is centrally based on the community and what they've done for Dogecoin because the creator of Dogecoin left the, the coin altogether not long after he created it. And, and now he's like kind of getting back into the mix of the coin, but he doesn't really have a holding or a say of what the coin does. So that brings up uh, a very good point is that community is a very big factor in what we're seeing, what's ultimately driving the success of some of these projects, right? Yes, it definitely is. It is also the downfall because <laughs> if it wasn't for a community with some of them, uh, we wouldn't be having the fluctuations that we're having right now. And so when we're analyzing these different tokens to purchase, how do you look at the community and kind of score that or gauge that before you take a position? I look at to see how fast it's grown from inception. I mean, if you're looking at uh, a coin and you know they're gradually growing at, at that point, if it's a slow growth, that's fine. It's, it's perfectly fine. I want to then look at the white paper and, and I want to see what the project actually does. Because if it, the project is actually providing value to the community that it's holding, uh, then at that point, I think that it would be a smart investment. A good example of a token that's kind of, I think, personally under the radar right now uh, and growing their community very, uh, I don't want to say slow, but it's a, a, a gradual uh, growth right now. Uh, is a token called Bonfire. And, and essentially, this token is going to be getting in the NFT and, and all the, the fun jazz and building a wallet and things like that. It has tokenomics uh, similar to projects like SafeMoon. However, they're not focused on the hype. What they're focused on is slowly growing and getting the company to a legitimate place to then at that point, find a third-party outlet to fund the project, right? So they don't have to work. They don't have to rely on the community to actually build it. And they may get potential investors to actually uh, invest into it, which they actually recently did get uh, their new founded CEO to invest quite a bit of liquid funds uh, in, or liquidity, I should say, uh, into the project to, to help it grow a little bit. But yeah, look at the growth of the community, right? Kind of look at what is the message coming from the project? So if the message is projecting value, you need to dig deeper. Uh, and that digging deeper would be looking at the white paper and figuring out what the value they really are providing in the message that they're conveying. You want to relate, you want to kind of match that white paper up to the actual message that they are showing on social media. The great thing about social media right now, especially uh, Twitter, 
right? It, once you post it, it's there uh, unless they delete it. So you can see on the white paper, it's supposed to provide value of X, Y, Z. Is that the message they're conveying? Got it. So you like to, to look at their social feed, max it, uh, match it up with their white paper and kind of make sure that they're staying on course with their roadmap. Yeah. And I know things change over time, but at the same time, like the project is based off a, a, an initial vision and that white paper should tell that. And I want to see is if that vision on the white paper is something worth of value or that I find of value, is that the message that's being conveyed on the social media? Got it. And top three places for the, to go for project social media, where do you go to? Twitter is number one for, especially for cryptocurrency, any cryptocurrency, Twitter is, is essentially uh, the number one. YouTube is number two. And then uh, I would say discord is number three. And discord that's usually uh, they're the company's own channel, correct? Yeah. Uh, sometimes the community builds okay. it for the company, but essentially a branded version of it gets popular and that becomes the centralized chat channel, essentially. Well, look, I, that was great insights. I mean, everyone's always asking, where do we go for the information? So Twitter, yeah. Twitter, Discord, and YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we hit everything about mining, getting startup trends and what's going on the market. I, any, any last words that, you know, in regards to crypto that you want to leave us off with? My personal podcast that I have with uh, my partner, we used to be just a comedy podcast. Uh, and now we're, we're getting more into interviews and things like that. Uh, and we are interviewing a lot of these YouTubers that are diving into crypto on a deep dive and having uh, very legitimate and intelligent conversations with them. So what I would say is, if you are new to crypto, take a look at our content, not to just show my podcast, but take a look at our content and you can see and get knowledge value uh, of the YouTubers that are out there uh, basically on the front lines trying to teach and educate uh, all of these newbies that are coming into crypto. Well, I appreciate that. I know, you know, social reach is big for building everyone's community, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So our final question we always leave off with is what is the biggest thing you have implemented in your life has helped increase your net worth? The biggest thing uh, has actually not been anything monetarily. Uh, It has been a, a mindset, an abundance mindset. Uh, essentially, I, I am not in any position to feel anybody is my competitor. Uh, I feel that there is enough out there for every everyone. Uh, there is always going to be cryptocurrency. It, it is not going away, regardless of what any federal government tries to say. Uh, it is here, and, and there is plenty of it everywhere. Uh, so just do your research. And if you hold an abundance mi- mindset, that is going to bring you to that next level uh, of more liquidity. And that's what I've used. I like that. That's great. I mean, there is, I, it, when you really get out in this world, it's like amazing the opportunity that's out there. And it's true that you should not have a limited mindset because there's abundance of opportunity everywhere you go. Exactly. And so, uh, Mark, where would you like people to find your podcast or get a hold of you? Uh, you can always find us on amigospc.net. Uh, but if you want to check any social platform, uh, we, we find a way to get inboxed uh, from any of them. Amigos PC is where, that's where we are in everything. Well, I appreciate coming on today. Thank you. Thank you. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode. 
Thanks for listening to The Joe Roberts Show. Take these tips and insights that you can use to help grow your own personal wealth and share them with a friend that could also benefit. Don't miss a single episode or updates. Subscribe to our email list at joerobert.com. And as always, keep pushing yourself towards a more impactful life. The Joe Roberts Show. The Joe Roberts Show. The Joe Roberts Show.